Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Lord, we uh, know that you're at work in each of these situations. Uh, we trust uh, you're working all for good. Uh, Lord, even through illness and, and uh, conditions or injuries, uh, situations, job situations and other, we know you're at work. Uh, we trust that you are in inherently good. You you are the definition of good, and so we do thank you for uh, being good in our lives and in and through the things in our lives. So, Lord, we commit these things to you. We ask that you bless the time in the Word today, Lord. Uh, and unless you are with us, unless you're an active part of this, uh, we're we're I'm going to fail for sure. Uh, the you know, the communication won't be right. Uh, the hearer won't listen unless your spirit is is at work. And so, uh, Lord, I just pray this uh, directly that you would intervene in a supernatural way and uh, in a very tangible way. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, Shane, could you grab the keyboard that's back that's on that table and bring it up here for me? I appreciate that. I forgot to grab that. Thank you, brother. So, um, there are times in ministry where, as a pastor, your wife tells you you're doing it wrong. And this week was one of those weeks, and she said, you're doing it wrong. Hand out the handouts first. Don't wait. So, I'm sorry, from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry... If that caused OCD, like, frustration in you, or if you were unable to fo truly focus on the message because I waited to hand the handouts out, you could take one of those and, and pass them on. You will have your handout to at the beginning of the message per my bride. Um, so... Today we are continuing our study in the book of Exodus, Victory in Exodus, and we will follow our normal pattern of, of victory, I'm sorry, uh, situation, struggle, and victory. Today the message is about victory and immediacy, and immediacy, uh, and it's really just following the Lord now, like when you have the opportunity, when he presents himself, now is the time. So, looking at our passage, at Exodus, if you want to turn there, Exodus chapter 8, we're going to be in the first 15 verses. We're going to start with the first 7 verses. They're on the screen. I think they're on your handout, uh, and certainly uh, in Scripture in, in Exodus uh, chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. Why frogs? I don't know, but the Lord used them. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people and into thine ovens and into thy treading or kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams and over the rivers, over the ponds, 
and caused the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought the frogs uh, upon the land of Egypt. And so, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's, it is a situation where God is trying to get a hold of Pharaoh, right? And he's trying to hold Pharaoh accountable to his commitment to let people go, or at least his word. And he's not doing that. Uh, he's not following through. And so he's, he's putting up obstacles. And as a result, God is going to continue to up uh, if you will, the ante of plagues as we go through this. Uh, although this is pretty pretty bad, pretty gross um, to have frogs everywhere. Frog so, frog legs. Now, <laughs> the problem is, and we're, gonna, we're actually going to talk about, uh, not specifically about frog legs, but you'll see in just a minute, these are not frog leg frogs. These are, are probably uh, just nasty frogs. So, the struggle is... Pharaoh, so verses eight, or verse 8, Then Pharaoh call, called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs. So what we saw in verses 1 through 7 was kind of, this is what's going to happen. In verse 8, we're already dealing with Pharaoh saying, Take him away. So there's a gap between verse 7 and verse 8 where this happens. Okay? Because verses 1 through 7 is, This is what's going to happen. Pharaoh, this is, I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. And verse 8, Pharaoh's already kind of done with it, which I would be on a fairly short leash if I thought God was inundating my life with the abundance of frogs. So then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Right? And so we see that the river, so, so I'm, I'm highlighting and I kind of emphasize when I read it, the, the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up into thy house and into thy bedchamber, upon thy bed, and, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. Literally everywhere you could think they're going to be. Like you can't get away from these frogs. So, well, they do actually. So, so we're, we'll talk about that in just a minute too. So, so here's the deal: they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Now, this is this is the Nile frog. Okay, so you can see this is not a bulldog with big old legs that are willing to you yummy to eat. These frogs, uh, like most frogs, occur at or near permanent bodies of water. They probably are active throughout the year. This is according to the uh, website, so it has to be true. Egyptians would have been familiar with these frogs. Um, they feed on terrestrial beetles, bugs, spiders, earthworms, snails, as well as aquatic and semi-aquatic organisms such as tadpoles and other frogs. Um, they're, they're the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up. Tychedina, Tychedina, uh, Nilotica. So Nilotica would be a Nile, like a, the, that's the fam, Phyllus family, I don't know. But anyway, that's their scientific name. Um, when disturbed, just to make it a little grosser, when disturbed, 
So you're walking and you almost step on a frog or you try to shoo it out of your, your pan. When disturbed, they leap into or away from the water, simultaneously expelling a jet of water from the bladder. So in addition to them being everywhere, anytime you nudged one or moved it, 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 it peed, basically. When captured, they adopt a rigid posture and sometimes produce a foamy skin secretion and a moaning sound. Moaning sound. So, yeah, this is, this is not a situation where this is, this is, not, this is not yummy time. This is, these, these frogs are everywhere. And I don't know if you caught this, but this is a very important spiritual component here, a spiritual lesson. So don't, don't let the nastiness of this. So the, the magicians literally made this worse. Okay? God is executing judgment on Pharaoh and Egypt. And what does it say? And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. They literally made it worse. When you are in a situation, where, whether it's rejecting God or, or resisting his moving in your life, whatever the situation is, do not be surprised if Satan piles on. Okay? And they re, I think the, there's probably several reasons, but I think the primary reason for that is he wants you mad at God. So he piles on the situation. So your car has a flat tire. God's trying to get you to slow down. I'm just using this as an example. God's trying to get you to slow down, re, you know, re, reset. And then when you're changing the tire, you get rear-ended. Satan's piling on, maybe. I, again, I'm, I'm just using it as an example. But the point is, the magicians, in this case, tried to make it, or literally did make it worse. Notice in Acts 14, but the unbelieving Jews unbelieving Jews, which is kind of an interesting concept. They didn't believe in, in Jesus, but they were Jews. Stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, afflicted against the brethren. The, these, these unbelieving Jews literally made it worse. In, in the same chapter, in verse 19, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul. Like, like they, they couldn't let bygones be bygones. They couldn't let, let uh, well enough alone. They actually had to follow Paul from Antioch and Iconium to the next town and, and stone him. They literally, Satan using, in this case, Jews, unbelieving Jews, made it worse. In, in Acts 17.5, But the Jews which believed not moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and all set the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought them, uh, or sought to bring them out, uh, out to the people. Do not be surprised when God is, at, is, God, God is moving and there's stuff for Satan to pile on. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. We've talked about this before. We'll probably talk about it again as we continue in this phase of the book of Exodus with Pharaoh. 
because the, the, uh, the spiritual battle is so clear, do not be surprised in the midst of the spiritual battle when things get worse. Things get worse. And just when you think they can't get any worse because there's frogs everywhere, the guys that you think are on your side bring more frogs. <laughs> and I don't know, like you know what that is in your life. And I'm sorry, honest to God, I am sorry if I have ever, if Satan has ever used me to bring more frogs in your life. Because sometimes those things happen. Sometimes we're, we're used of Satan, and we don't mean to be used of Satan, but we, we end up not, not edifying the fellow believer, but we end up piling on the fellow believer. So I am sorry if, if I've ever done that. I, I think there are times in, in, my, in my Christian walk where I've, I've just screwed up, right? And I've said things I shouldn't have, and I've, I've, I've added uh, consternation instead of, instead of blessing. But the magicians literally made this worse. Now, don't get me wrong, the plague of frogs from the Lord was sufficient enough based on the verses, uh, specifically verses uh, 3 through, uh, I guess, through 4, right? They're everywhere, you know? They're everywhere. Now, again, Michelle gets the opportunity to hear some of this stuff first before I present it to you. And we had a nice, healthy debate on whether or not the children of Israel also dealt with frogs. Now, there's it's certainly no contradiction in Scripture, but it, Scripture is very clear that the frogs came up in verse 6 and covered the land of Egypt. That's where the children of Israel were living, so they would have at least had to have dealt with the frogs to some degree. And certainly the magicians also did so with their enchantments and brought frogs upon the land of Egypt. Uh, maybe that was a contained land. It doesn't say all the land... Certainly the, the, the tone of it is that it is toward Pharaoh, toward, he even says, into thine ovens, thy people, the house of thy servants, thy bed. So there is a tone that maybe the children of Israel didn't have to deal with this, this plague the same way the, the, the Egyptians did, or the house of Pharaoh. I don't know the extent of the, the plague of frogs, but I do know it created, a, a, created this struggle. And then, so, so transitioning from magicians making it worse to this consequence of this judgment that is coming from the Lord. It is incessant. There is no escape, right? I mean, Moses is writing this and he's writing that they're in the bed and, and in the bedchamber and in your house and, a, and into the house of the servants and in the ovens and kneading troughs everywhere even the places you would try to keep reasonably clean the frogs are getting right so it's incessant you can't get away from it and this reminded me of a couple of passages in scripture in Job chapter 14 and verse 19 it says the waters wear the stones I don't know if you've ever really spent much time looking at river rock, right? But river rock, because of its tumbling nature and because of the constant flow of water, is rounded, right? It's not jagged because it's worn by the incessant moving of the water. Proverbs 27.15, a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Like... If, you, if, if, you're, if you're living in a house with a contentious woman, it's literally like when it rains and you've got that drip from your gutter that just will not 
stop. And it's very irritating. And some people, this is, I, don't, I meant to look this up. There's, for some people, it's more like, like for me as I get older, pray, okay, just pray for my son. His chewing has become a problem. <laughs> I don't know if he's chewing any different than he used to or if I'm literally getting like more bothered by it. I think I've heard that that's a thing. As you get older, hearing other people chew is more, is more of a problem for you. It is so funny. I'm looking out and people are looking at each other. Married couples are looking at each other. I will not call them out. Uh, but anyway. I, but it, it is a problem. And, and you should pray that I don't end up, I don't know, killing him. I don't know what else to say. But there are certain things that grate on you. And there's probably you know noises that grate on you. And there's a continual dropping. It's like you, you just need a minute to not hear it. And you just need a minute for the frogs to go away. You know what I mean? And every time you try to shoo them out of your bedroom, they pee. So you, and then they go, and you've got to pick them up, and they're slimy, and you've got to chuck them out the window. Like it's incessant. Even in Luke, Luke 18, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Like, like there are passages in Scripture where weariness happens because of the, con- the continual nature of something. And I can't help but think Pharaoh is to this point. And then this last point, uh, fill in the blank, disease comes from frogs. Now, it's a, I guess, a, a well-known fact that you can get salmonella from touching a frog and not washing your hands. Salmonella generally is not deadly, although it, it, it does contribute to some deaths uh, every year. But it produces diarrhea, dehydration. You can then subsequently share it between people. And while it can kill you, it's mostly just plain gross. And it lasts for about four to seven days. So I just can't help but think how bad it was to be in the land of Egypt around Pharaoh's home during this time. Because you're gross and then you pile on gross from the magicians and then you pile on gross from the frogs because you're trying to move them and then they're in your kneading troughs and now people are getting salmonella and they're running to the out outbuilding or the outhouse yeah I mean like it's not this is not a good situation this is not a good situation so this brings us to our first uh, well actually you know what before we do that so I was I was talking this morning to somebody and 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 it reminded me and this is this is just the stupid person I am just forgive me about finding Nemo do you guys remember finding Nemo the movie you remember what their plan was to get out of the aquarium they were going to make it, they were going to They were gonna stop up the filter and then they were going to make it as filthy as possible so the guy had to clean them out. I think he was going to put them in the bags if I remember right and then they were going to roll, right? Get away. And at one point, one of the, the fish, I guess was a little more prim and proper, we're living in our own filth here, people. Like, like that's kind of what's happening in, the, in Egypt at this point, in Pharaoh's house. We're living in the filth of frogs. 
Like, I don't think we can really wrap our brain around the struggle. So victory principle number one, your mess doesn't define you. Pharaoh is still called Pharaoh. Egypt is still called Egypt. It's not the guy who had frogs and the land that had frogs. It doesn't define you, but it does impact you. Okay? Your mess doesn't define you. Don't let it. But it does impact you, and there's ways to deal with your mess. So, when we move for the last, the, the remaining 25 minutes or so, we're going to move into the, the phase of the victory, and, you're, and, and the problem is there's a great failure first. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a great failure that we need to look at within the context of victory. And it's in Exodus chapter 8, verses 9 to 10. And Pharaoh said, uh, Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when, I, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and from thine, and thine houses, that they may remain in the river only? And, Mo, and Pharaoh says, Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So normally I don't have you fill in the blank with scripture, but I did on this one because it's that important. Moses walks into Pharaoh, kicks a few, probably a handful of, of frogs. He might have even had to step on a few to get to Pharaoh. Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee? When do, we, when do you want me to go to God and ask him to send the frogs back to the river and keep them in the river uh, only? Because the implication here is that they're continuing to pour out of the river, right? I don't know that, but that's the, kind of the implication. And Pharaoh says... Tomorrow. Now, we're living in our own filth here, people. How about right now? Stop. I don't want any more frogs. Stop the frogs from coming yesterday. Five minutes ago. Anything. So I, I just can't believe it. I cannot believe that he says tomorrow. So delaying your obedience can be costly, can be very costly. In this case, it's a whole nother night dealing with peeing frogs that make a weird sound when you kick them and they go hard and, and you got to try to get them out of the way. And it's just, this is just absolutely mind-boggling to me that he would want to spend another minute this way. Delaying your obedience can be costly. It can impact your story or your testimony. Genesis 12, 1. We see it start of a great story of Abraham. Abraham, but at this point he's called Abram. Notice, now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. God had done that. Yet Abram had not been immediately faithful. The Lord had done that at some point in time. It defines his testimony. I'm sorry if your testimony includes something like, God was really trying to get a hold of me, and he had to do this, and he had to do this, and he had to do this, until I finally listened. Because that's kind of on you. That's kind of on you. I am thankful, and I'm not, I'm not twisting my shoulder, patting myself on the back, God knew what he had to do to get my attention, but when he got my attention, he got my attention. 
when I wrecked my, my car, my 67, beautiful 67 Ford Mustang, I still have it, but it's still wrecked. He got my attention. I can still close my eyes and, and play through the car accident. I can still see, see the guy that almost hit me because I was dazed as I was walking out from where the windshield of my car was and walking around and walked onto the street and almost got hit by, fortunately, it was a, uh, it was a off-duty fireman who was able to cut the battery cables on my car so that it didn't start a fire. Um, it was, I mean, fortunately, now God, I think God knew me. So he upped the ante all the way up here to get my attention. And he got my attention. Some, I, maybe, maybe someday he'll remind me of all the little steps that I said no to up to that point. I don't know. But please, if God is working on you, answer. Don't delay your obedience. If he has called you to do something, if he's called you to respond to his, to his gift of, of salvation and eternal security, don't delay. If he's called you to, to sacrifice, to go into a certain ministry, to, to consecrate yourself and to further, further development in the Word of God so that you can be utilized and, and maybe sent as part of a church plant team or, or, or be an integral part of a specific ministry around here or somewhere else, don't delay. Don't say, God, I'll do it tomorrow. Do it now. It literally could cost you all your eternity. Look at Acts uh, 17. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we'll hear thee again of this matter. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We don't know. In 26, 28, and Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. That close to heaven. But you're going to spend an eternity in hell. It could literally cost you or your, alter, your eternity. I remember a story. This is, this is many years ago. I, I, had, I, I did announcements at our old church at one point. And we had announcements at the end of service. And we would close in a word of prayer. And then people would be uh, dismissed. And for whatever reason, I can still, I can close my eyes, I can still remember this. I prayed that if anybody was not, was in the service and was not saved, that they would not be able to sleep until they got that resolved. And I just, I just prayed it. I don't know why. I get a call from one of the guys in the church later that day who was ministering to a guy who was at that church, at church that day. And the guy went home to take a nap because that's what great Americans do on a Sunday afternoon. And he couldn't sleep. And that prayer just was resonating in his head and he got saved. I don't take any credit. Like, I, I just remember it because of the story. Like, I don't even know why I prayed that. Like, that's a pretty, pretty kind of, I don't know, um, bodacious prayer, right? To say that I pray somebody wouldn't be able to sleep until they get saved. Because, well, at some point they're going to need sleep. Um, but he couldn't wait any longer. He knew he had to get that dealt with that day. And I don't know how many people there are who have had the opportunity to, to, to hear from the Lord or the opportunity to get saved and they'll say, eh, almost, or I'll hear, hear about it again. And then they never get, a, get around to it. 
They nev- it never becomes important enough to deal with again. And they die in their sins. It's, it's scary. Behold, today is the day of salvation, right? So, it can be driven by inconvenience. A lot of this, like, I don't know what Pharaoh had going on. I don't think he looked at his watch and said, today's kind of a bad day to deal with frogs. Maybe we could do it tomorrow. But often, often, not answering God is a matter of inconvenience. In Acts 24-25, as he reasoned, uh, and as he reasoned, Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I don't know if you've t- partaken in a hit-the-streets ministry like we have here. You've been on a mission trip where we've shared the gospel on the street. But I've had several people say, I need to deal with this in my life first before I can get saved. As if, as if that thing, whatever that thing is, is actually keeping them from, like, they're el- literally elevating that to the sacrifice of Christ and the offer of eternal life. That just is like, doesn't even make sense. I try to be compassionate in those moments. But, but sometimes it's just not convenient. When's the best time to get pregnant, as they say? Kind of never, right? And I don't mean don't get, <coughs> you know, like, like I'm, all for, I'm all for people having babies. Like, I'm all for families growing. Like, that's an okay thing. But, like, you never, it's just, you, you can't, it's never a good time. It's just never a good time. And by the way, it's never a good time to get a puppy. Like, <laughs> if we know then what we know now... But so many things in our life are driven by inconvenience. Having a relationship with the Lord, saying yes to Him, to whatever He's called me to right now, is kind of inconvenient. Oh, you don't say? You mean the Creator of heaven and earth that called you to this, called you to this moment? The one who orchestrates all of events? The one who literally holds your molecules together didn't think about how inconvenient this time was? I mean, come on. If God's calling you to something, answer Him. And it's manifest in excuses. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 14 for just a second. Luke chapter 14. I've referenced this a a few times over the last few weeks. It is... It's in the category of some of my favorite verses, but not for a good reason, because I think it's just funny. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, although, you know, God may choose to chastise me for it because it is it's just kind of it's just kind of crazy look at what happens in Luke 14 and verse 16 and he said unto him a certain man made a great supper and bade many and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden come for all things are now ready and they all with one consent began to make excuse the first said to him I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it I've, that, I've referenced it, I think, a couple weeks ago where you buy ground and then you go look at it. Like, who does that? I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Like, this is like, I just bought a car, but I haven't seen it yet. Really? You just bought a house and you didn't even look at it? And you just bought a car, but you did, Like, that's the equivalent here, Right? I bought some yoke, five yoke of oxen, 
and I go to prove them. I pray they have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Which I always think that's the funny part, because like it doesn't need for further explanation. <laughs> so that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and this is when it gets real, real. The master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in thither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, as it is, done, uh, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Wow. If you have excuses, God is not obligated to fulfill his promises. He's not. He's offered, it's like, it's like the example I use when I'm sharing the gospel. If I have a gift for somebody, if I'm going to give Shane this wonderful cup of tea, and I say, Shane, here's your present. Merry Christmas. And Shane never takes that gift He's never received that gift. It's never his gift. Even though it's his the entire time. All he has to do is reach out and take it. And if all he has to say is, I don't like tea. I don't like the color of the lid. It's just an inconvenient time for me to take a drink. Or whatever it is, right? Fill in the blank. I'm not thirsty. I don't have time for God right now. Religion's never been my thing. There's just a bunch of hypocrites there. <laughs> Fill in the blank with all the excuses. All of those things manifest in disobedience. They manifest in disobedience. So, complete victory is found in immediate submission. Immediate submission. Literally, Pharaoh spent an extra night sleeping in a bed of frogs that he didn't need to. Literally. And if he would have just submitted immediately, things would have been better. Notice, in offering, in offering, and you know, I, I don't think this church talks a lot about money. I certainly don't feel like I talk a lot about money. But in Exodus 22 and verse 29, Thou shalt not delay to offer thy first... the. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, offer of the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors and the firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Why should you not delay offering the first fruit, first ripe fruits? Because they go bad. And you're going to give God something that's, that's rotten and moldy? No, you need to do it now. Give Him the first fruits now. In hearing, in Hebrews, it's interesting because there's several verses. These verses and another verse to come here. But in hearing, verse, uh, Hebrews 3 and verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. And that continues on in verse 15. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. You'll get to a point where you stop hearing from the Lord because all you keep doing is filling up with the excuses. No, hear him today. Today he's calling. In exhortation. 
Complete victory, again, is found in immediate submission in exhortation. In this, again, in this passage in Hebrews 3, I would, I would kind of encourage you to read Hebrews 3 if this is a thing, that, if this is like hitting you close, because it is a sense of urgency. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If you're going to wait, you're giving Satan an opportunity for his magicians to bring more trouble and you're like, I can't deal with this, I just, God, whatever, you know? Don't wait, don't delay. And last but certainly not least in these points, complete victory is found in immediate submission and salvation. In the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, after my car wreck, that was on a Sunday, I had a friend from school share the gospel with me. And not terribly clear in how the gospel was shared. Um, so we went to meet with my youth pastor, or what, the man that became my youth pastor. I was in high school at the time. man that became my youth pastor... And he was actually gone, and I don't know if I've shared that story, but it's kind of it's kind of a funny story. I'll tell you another another point. But so I'm meeting with his wife. So he actually was expect. So the the person, the friend that shared the gospel with me at school was I'll just tell it now. I guess uh, was a female, was a girl. So she calls the youth pastor and says, "Hey, I've got a friend. I want to share. I want you would like to learn more about the gospel. Would like to understand uh, about the gospel and salvation." So he had a meeting. So he assumed that her friend was a girl, so he went to the meeting rather than sending his wife to the meeting. So his wife was there to meet with this young lady from his youth group and her friend who they thought was going to be uh, a girl. So I show up, and it actually worked out well because Shane, who was the youth pastor, the guy that became my pastor, he was not the guy that needed to communicate the gospel his wife uh, became a nurse, and she was very logical and very analytical. And that was she, her explanation of the gospel made sense to me. God worked all that out. But I can remember sitting on their couch in their front room and saying, I can't get saved today on Monday. And she referenced this verse. She said, you're not promised tomorrow. If you die on your way home tonight, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And I said, I know. I know. But I can't get saved right now. I've got to think about this and I've got to pray about it. I don't want to make an emotional decision. So I did go home that night. Spoiler alert, I didn't die the next day. You might be surprised by that story. So the next day, Tuesday, after school, I get on my bike because my car's wrecked. And I ride my bike to the place where I wrecked my car. And that's where I got saved. I remember her saying that today is the day of salvation. And I'm so thankful the Lord gave me an extra day. But I sought Him. Let me just be very clear. I wasn't delaying the decision. I was seeking Him during that time. And I do think that's, there's a difference there. Right? I was asking him to make himself manifest. To, to help me understand what was before me. Because if I did it... I didn't want to do it part way. I didn't want to just take his salvation and then not be in. 
Today is the day of salvation. If you have not settled that, please, I'm going to pray again that you can't sleep until you get that dealt with. It is that important. And delayed obedience could literally cost you your eternity. I gambled for about 22 hours and I made it. Please don't take that game, that same gamble. So it brings us to our second victory principle. Victory principle number two. Delaying only hurts you. Immediacy is the answer. Pharaoh spent an extra 24 hours with frogs that he didn't need to. The people around him spent an extra 24 hours with frogs that they didn't need to. Immediacy was the answer. He could have said right now. But he didn't. And you might say, man, Mitch, you're making a really big deal out of this thing that happened you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago. And why is it such a big deal? Because over and over and over again in Scripture, God is calling you to answer and to respond to Him now. And I don't know what it is in each... I guarantee you, if we had time and it wasn't an embarrassing uh, uh, exercise, if I went through every one of us, and I'll point include me, there's something He's calling us to. There's something He's calling us to. Each one of us. And it looks a little different. Maybe it's to give something up. Maybe it's to buy into something. Maybe it's to accept Him as Savior. I don't know. But ever, I guarantee you, every one of us, because you're alive and you're here, He's, he's doing something. Please don't delay that decision. I don't know what it is. And maybe you don't honestly know what it is. And that's okay. We can work, we can work with that. If you know the Lord is calling you to something, but you don't know what it looks like, you don't know what it is, I guarantee you we can fill in that gap. Guarantee. I've not, I've not met someone yet. You just need an outsider's perspective. Guarantee it. So, our last verse, Psalm 119, 59-60. I thought of my ways, and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Notice, he considers it, he turns, and then look, I made haste, and delay not to keep thy commandments. David's heart was, he thought about it, he understood his ways, he turned his feet unto the testimonies, which is the word of God, and then what did he do? He made haste and delayed not to keep the commandments. Please don't delay. Please make haste. If you need to be discipled, you need to be baptized, you need to join this church, you need to commit yourself to, to growing in the Word, maybe through discipleship or something like LFBI, you need to stretch yourself a little bit, I guarantee you there's a next step. Please don't delay. I will make myself as a... I will, I will come meet you this afternoon. I will, find, I will find you. I have a special set of skills. I will find you. And we can deal with this. We can deal with it. Please don't delay. You'll spend another day in your... In your in your garbage. And you know what the problem is? The, the problem isn't that there was another 24 hours of time with the frogs. It was that Pharaoh knew that he in his own power could endure what God was trying to do. Don't in your own power try to endure what God is trying to do in your life. Submit to it. Submit to it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... I believe the, the transparency of it. 
Uh, Lord, maybe I just jumped on a word tomorrow and I, I missed the boat, but I don't think so. I think you've called each and every one of us to step forward in faith in some aspect of our life. And, and I just pray that each person under the sound of my voice does, that, does, does deal, dealings with you, Lord, and, and takes care of that today. Maybe it's something they need to do in the quietness of their own heart and the, their own life and their own house, if you will. And I don't ever need to know about it. And praise, praise you, Lord, uh, for, for that, if that's, the, if that's the thing. But others need to make a public profession. They need counsel. They need to, te- to step forward in some sort of faith component. And Lord, I just trust that you're at work. I trust that you're calling and help us to be obedient in the immediate response. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great day.